Hello, welcome to the first episode of Other Network Conversations. My name is Federico Martelli and I am part of the Other Network team. I'm an architect and designer and today we're recording from Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Other Network is a project that looks to emphasize the importance of independent art spaces worldwide using a digital interface that visualizes collaborations happening between artists, curators, and cultural practitioners. This project aims to provide visibility and connect hundreds of project spaces that, in spite of operating in very different conditions, are exposed to common challenges. Other Network consists both as an online platform that you can find at othernetwork.io and as a series of parallel projects that encourage collaboration and resilience. Among these, we are organizing a traveling exhibition, the second iteration of which will take place in Accra at the end of 2023, a series of local events and conversations in different cities, as well as commissioning text that will be published on our other network platform. In order to emphasize the importance of creating networks, we have consistently used the idea of the relay in our projects, encouraging our collaborators to nominate people from their own network to participate. Each episode will be divided in two parts. In the first part, we invite an art space to discuss with us what it means to be independent. In the second part, we ask our guests to invite another project space or cultural practitioner that they are curious about, as we try to understand in more depth the dynamics of running art spaces in different contexts. In this episode, calling keys from other network, visit Shimmer in Rotterdam. In the second half of the conversation, Eloise and Jason chose to invite Ruth Buchanan, director of Artspace Otteroa, New Zealand, as their guests. We've just arrived at Shimmer in the south of Rotterdam and are joined by Eloise Sweetman and Jason Hendrik Hansmer. We've just come up two flights of stairs and found ourselves in a space that's overlooking some industrial areas that make up part of the city's port. Um, but Eloise and Jason, could you start by describing exactly where we're sitting right now? What am I looking at? Yeah, we are sitting in our extremely small office space, which is also our storage space, but also our exhibition space. We are directly looking at uh, some messy boxes, but right next to us, we're also sitting next to a Michael Schorl painting. There are actually some very organized labeled boxes from well, what I see. Yeah, it is very organized, actually. Um, it just uh, isn't as tidy as we would hope um, when we have guests coming. Good thing that Ruth cannot see it. And then we also have on the other side of this sort of plastic screen that we have to divide the office space is our exhibition, which we have on right now. Do you want to say something about it? Uh, I just want to say that it's also a very small, the whole space is like 38 square metres, nearly 40 square metres. Um, so it's just, the whole thing is very tiny, yes. um, not just the office. Yes, that's a good point. Um, and also, I just also want to say that we're on the second floor um, of uh, a shared space with many many other organizations. Yes, who do you share the building with? 
mainly with architects um, and urban planners and artists. And And this is like, I would suppose, like technically it's a studio space. It was always intended to be a studio space by the people that we're renting it from. So um, this idea of an exhibition space situated within a studio is a core part of what we're doing here. Okay, nice. So is how often, if it's mainly your studio space, how often is it actually open for programming and exhibitions and everything? Well, that idea kind of, so we approach um, it at uh, our curating with a studio-like mentality. So um, the idea of actually using it as a studio for our own practices kind of went out the window, I think, after the very first show that we did. Um, actually with Ruth. Ruth was one of our first uh, exhibiting artists, which is how we got in uh, contact. And we realised that actually the, um, the studio aspect, I guess, um, of Shimmer is that the, whatever does not fit within the practice of our individual practices comes to Shimmer because we usually have cro- like uh, some crossing of interests and this sort of thing. So, yeah, you were quite disappointed, though, that you couldn't use it as a studio. Mm-hmm. So it's still a it's still a sort of sore point. I don't know if it's a sore. I don't know if it's a sore point. Now I haven't. Uh, I know I have another studio. Yeah. Um, but it was yeah this idea of like what would sit in the center of a practice and what would sit on the periphery um, became quite inversed with Shimmer, um, which is really interesting to think about as like artist as curator and these sort of questions, but. Yeah, well, it's also, I think, Jason, you're an, like an artist by your background, right? And Eloise, you're a curator. So does that kind of balance out within this space? How does that, how do your two practices actually coexist? Um, well, I think uh, it works really well. Uh, Jason, I think, has a really great way of um, working with the artists, actually. Um, he sees the practices in a way that I don't see them, simply because I do not have that material um, understanding uh, like an artist uh, does. I'm not trained as an artist, whereas Jason is. Um, And we also have like a naturally kind of falling interest or expertise. Like Jason not only um, has this uh, focus with the um, artistic practices and looking at them in a particular way, but also like you know how to look after the space. You can help install the works, like, uh, whereas I'm, like, the administrative um, the arts manager. I would, like, right? We would say it in that way. I was a um, work doing install for a different, like, arts organization. So I think all of that kind of folds into the, into the practices. Yeah. Um, and I also think then, you know, I think about what, might be missing from my own work and when it's presented and sort of try to provide that to the artists or update them with how people are viewing it or how their bodies are moving around the artworks and these sort of things. So the things I feel like I don't always get a report back, let's say, from the places that I'm showing in. So you can kind of use the space to really experience that and and sort of get that feedback almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. To test, uh, sort of test the works out with the artist in that sense, but... So Eloise, you just mentioned though something about the administrative work. Is that actually like a, a large part of running a space like this? Like how much actually admin is there? And is it maybe less glamorous than sort of this, you know, when I see these gorgeous exhibitions over in the corner there? Yeah, I mean, we've just recently changed our approach to administration um, uh, where uh, because we for quite some time have felt like we were always trying to catch up with like budgeting and the next grant or making sure that the communication is up to date and 
but we had very little time to actually be with the artists, be with their work and do studio visits. Um, and one very practical way of um, changing that was actually readjusting our to-do list. So instead of having administration at the top of the to-do list, we had the exhibition and the artist, which I, I, it took us like five years to realize that that is like, of course, the whole point of Shimmer, like to get money is important to make sure that everybody can do their work and be in a good space. But the point is also mm -hmm. to be with the artists and the artwork. So yeah. It it does sometimes feel that the administra administration is out of proportion for the mm -hmm. size of our space, mm -hmm. you know, like, mm -hmm. but it's necessary to some extent, sorry. Yeah, and the administration, I think, provides um, easy and quick fixes to solutions, like when you're dealing with lots of more um, destabilizing artworks. So in this space of, like, artworks that are about undoing knowledge or rethinking the way in which we live our lives the administration provides like an easy fix to like quickly solve an email or so it's also i think about um how much um you allow the administration to take part of that more sort of fluid nebulous space that art is there to be making so I guess something that we're, we're quite interested in really unraveling through this whole series and through other network in general is sort of what it actually means to be an independent art space. And I think it's something that the definition is very uh, dependent on the context. So I, I guess, would you describe yourselves as an independent art space or how would you actually frame yourselves in that context and maybe in relation to other larger institutions and the whole cultural infrastructure of Rotterdam? Um, well, I'm not sure what independent means because everybody's dependent on somebody in some way. Um, is it independent from a market or is it independent from a grant system or is it independent from a, a single benefactor? Um, I'm, I'm not really sure what that means. All these things are so, like an economy is so interrelated in that sense. Um, we are dependent on the grant system of the Netherlands along with many other uh, exhibition spaces. Um, I would say the majority of exhibition spaces in the Netherlands are grant funded. But but also we are um, we have a really good relationship with many of the artists that we work with. So often the artists will say donate their fee back into Shimmer. So we're also dependent on the relationship of the artist to also trust us. Actually, so it's not just about the money, but it's also the um, the yeah. If the artist doesn't say yes to our invitation, then we sort of we're pointless so we um we really appreciate that sort of um relationship yeah i don't maybe we're not independent but we're enmeshed this yes maybe a, yeah. a nicer way of thinking of it um but uh, we also use this term integrated practice um as a way of trying to um, understand our own practices in relation to shimmer and i would say that perhaps our practices uh, are integrated also in our relationships beyond you know the funding or beyond the relationship with the artist but we also learn a lot from our audiences like most of the way that we curate is sort of intuitive we have an idea of what we're doing but it's all by feeling um which uh, it's which is not always necessarily a good thing because you might have the wrong feeling 
but we through the conversations that we have with the uh, the artists but and the audiences we actually become to understand better what it is that we are doing so like that happened a lot in the pandemic actually that like when we could only have one person in the exhibition space um like we had this one person that started talking about the Stanley Brown works that we had in the space and and looking at how these works related to his own life during the pandemic and I hadn't even thought about you know had I'd been more focused on the Stanley Brown part but I, but there was like oh okay we're actually yeah doing something else and we hadn't realized that and maybe that wouldn't be immediately folded into like a curatorial response but that will definitely last over a period of time and one might return to that in five years or return to that in three years and think about that person in relationship to the Brown work so I think that's what Eloise means by integrated practice is that they're constantly the front end and the back end are constantly enfolding over each other and um, stretching out across time and these sort of ideas, right? And that's what we consider a studio, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it has that kind of also that intimacy with the audience, I think, especially having just like one person in the space at the time is quite significant. And has any of that continued through sort of, you know, post-pandemic, even when you're allowed to do larger events and everything, do you still feel there's that kind of intimate relationship with the audiences? Yeah. 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 I mean, we also sort of started Shimmer with the idea that we would try to make sure, like, sort of ambitious shows in an intimate setting that that's partly why the shimmer is so small like we can only host a certain amount of people um and i've noticed that since the pandemic there has been a greater commitment from the audience maybe we don't have as many people but people want to stay longer which means that we can have a much more in-depth conversation for the opening of the the show that we have on now like we had a barbecue barbecue downstairs and jason was doing that and having conversations with the audience there but then I was here like I think four hours straight just having one-on-one conversations with the audience and I feel like you can't do that necessarily if you have a bigger space or that you have so much to do it's also extremely you have to be also um, uh, an extrovert which I'm an ambivert so I happen to turn that on at that day but it doesn't always work it's actually extremely exhausting also like in terms of our location we're not a not a place that has a lot of uh, foot traffic so when people come they come with the intention to come here and it's like like your audience wouldn't know like we're not downtown or anything you know we're not near the main train station or you really have to like schlep all the way out here um which means people are kind of like locked in (laughs) (laughs) but I, i just wanted to go back to the independent um uh uh part of the conversation i also think we're slowly coming to realize that some people have are dependent on us maybe not completely but we are starting to be able to be in a position where we can offer um, people uh, work experience or we can pay them a, a small amount of money to do work for us or internships and I think for uh, when we first started we didn't see why would people uh, think of shimmer in this way as an important part of their learning experience but I think that that has become more and more clear to us that we have to value that way more like and to take it seriously so everything that we do we are dependent on other people but that we need to take care yeah but yeah it's reciprocal but to different degrees I think Mm -hmm.
No, it's super interesting. I, I'm also curious, like that. there's obviously the community of people you have around the space, but um, Jason, you mentioned something about your location and, and where you actually are and the sort of lack of foot traffic. So what's your relationship to the sort of wider neighborhood in Rotterdam that you're in? And also like, why are you here in the first place? Um, well, we were here like for very pragmatic reasons that we were offered a space, like this studio space that I mentioned earlier. Um, one thing that we really fell in love with, I suppose, is this idea that there's a main road right in front of Shimmer and that delineates the residential from the um, from the industrial space. So um, in terms of like city zoning, we're in the industrial space. Um, there was something really important for us in thinking about how an exhibition space wouldn't be necessarily in a residential space, but would be in an industrial space. Um, and so our locality is mixed in with industry. Um, and that for us is an important, you know, this is also one of the most polluted areas in the Netherlands because of the port, which we're overlooking. Um, and that's where the, the name Shimmer comes from. It comes from a Deborah Bird Rose talk called Shimmer When All You Love Is Being Trashed. Um, so we feel like, yes, we're enmeshed with the community on the other side of the road, but we're also in a conversation around the idea of a changing climate, of, um, of, a, of late capitalist uh, uh, ships coming in and out or... You know, down the road is Boscalis, which is the biggest uh, dredging. Uh, it's a dredging uh, company. or So all of these things play a part in the conversation. And how does that relate then to the programming you do? Do you actually try and sort of like connect back into the, the port or sort of bring the port back in here or anything? I think it happens without us intending it, actually. Like we at one point were calling ourselves a cultural loading zone you know because like the sh shows were always in flux like we up until this uh, year uh, our shows would be year-long sort of uh, scores of works coming in and out and so like that was in line with the with the port of this ever-changing uh landscape or uh, industrial zone then we came to also realize that we're influenced by that but also with the sunsets the sunsets are incredible here at particular times of the year but that's because of the pollution oh what so the, the actual kind of orange haze in the sky is not this sort of romantic glow from the yeah, sun yeah, that we think yeah. it is i mean it's uh it's still very beautiful and and so this is also something that we are always thinking about like how how can we be in love with something that's so terrible and like it's also that we often have flowers in the exhibition and like it, uh, and like what is it to have these cut flowers in the space in the time of an ecological crisis like but also like uh, Jason was in a conversation with a poet who was talking about what is more radical than uh, writing poetry about flowers during uh, in an ecological hmm. crisis like and to connect to the thousands or tens of thousands of people in history that have also you know um, written about lilies, for example. So I don't know, trying to hold all of those contradictions together is what we find interesting about the locality and it's probably the reason we haven't, one of the reasons why we haven't left this space is that it's very generative. You know, and it's also maybe about questioning the, the image that the city has in relationship to the port and it's like uh, successes and it's, you know, so I think that um, thinking through the way that culture destabilizes those images is important. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, also, like, when we were realising that we were so influenced by the port and having this, uh, like, continuous, unending exhibition, that we were also becoming Instagram in the sense of the infinite scroll. So it's like, it's not 
this romantic idea of like you know bringing different art artworks into dialogue with each other but it's also like a kind of gorging you know and and we're coming to realize that like taking rest and taking stopping and making separation is more and more important so there's also a contradiction so uh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah 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 no i think that's a really nice point to sort of like uh, yeah. conclude and, this part of the conversation but... and cut <laughs> speaking to Eloise and Jason from Shimmer who talked about their sort of intuitive modes of curation and the relationship between the space and the wider neighborhood. Uh, we're now joined online by Ruth Buchanan who is herself an artist working across exhibition making, writing, design, publishing and teaching. Welcome Ruth and Jason and Eloise you invited Ruth for a particular reason. It would be great if you could explain why you wanted Ruth to be your guest today. Yeah sure. Well we've always admired Ruth ever since we moved to the uh, to the Netherlands actually. Um, and we've been following Ruth's practice as an artist uh, yeah really since I think 2012 and we've been in contact with Ruth through exhibitions and different projects over the years. So then when we learnt that Ruth was uh, leaving Berlin and moving to take this new position as director of uh, Artspace Aratoa, we were really excited to learn more because we really think that artists uh, that are curators and directors are usually the most exciting. Um, and also this space is, seems very interesting because it's been established for such a long time and it has such a focus on the artist and we just wanted to learn more and, uh, and to learn also about how it's governed. We have lots of questions. Um, also, I think when, when you maybe when you're not like quote unquote from Europe in that sense, it's always very interesting when people like return and like why have they returned and you know these are really interesting questions for us so like we 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 want to learn more so Ruth maybe you could actually tell us a little bit about the art space just a, a small summary of sort of how you actually got involved and why you maybe moved from Berlin um back over there and how you got involved with with running an art space sort of as as part of your practice Kia ora koutou. um ko Taranaki tuku maunga ko Tiatiawa me Taranaki tuku iwi Ko Kaitohu or Art Space Aotearoa nei, ko Ruth Buchanan Aho. So thank you for the introduction, um, all of you. Yes, I'm Ruth Buchanan and I'm Kaitohu Director at Art Space Aotearoa and an artist. Hard to do a small summary with that question, Colin. <laughs> I feel like how, how long is a piece of string? Um, so... Maybe I can say first a little bit about where I'm working and then a little bit about me. So Art Space Aotearoa was founded in 1987 and it was at that time just called Art Space. Um, we added the Aotearoa in 2020. So Aotearoa is the Indigenous name for New Zealand, which is where we are. You founded in 1987 by artists and arts workers, so curators, administrators, writers and critics, and largely, um, well, significantly under encouragement from the Auckland City Council, because at the time, the only sort of contemporary art space were either the, the dealer galleries or Auckland Art Gallery, which is a large um, municipally funded collecting institution that's been running 
you know, since the turn of the 20th century and they wanted to have something that was a little bit lighter on its feet with more capacity to um, yeah, speak to the contemporary and I think particularly wanting to um, be a, a bridge between international and national conversations. Um, so the founding director was an artist, a, a woman called Mary Louise Brown, and I'm the first artist director since her in 1987. Oh, wow. So in between, it's been um, led by people who call themselves curators and sort of that has been the thread and we're located we were located downtown actually also at the port when oh, the, oh, the cool. space when the space was founded um, but moved uptown to Karangahapi Road which is really in the middle of Tamaki Makoto Auckland on a ridge and we're housed in the former uh, so purpose built purpose-built as a post office, now no longer a post office. So we were upstairs when the post office was running downstairs. And in 2020, we moved from upstairs to um, the ground floor level, but still within that um, former post office space. And I really love that that's the whakapapa, the genealogy of the space, because I guess it's a bit like the port. And in terms of thinking contemporary, like to me, what a post office does and what contemporary art does is pretty similar. Mm, like putting, putting a lot of um, friction and contradictory material together, you know, if we're thinking about what Eloise was talking about earlier, sort of what is it to show cut flowers and write a poem but be located to um, an extractivist um, infrastructure in the same way as what is it to be in a space where um, the administration of life, you know, your um, work and income benefits, your letters from your dole office, the letters from a lawyer, but also the love letters, um, <laughs> stories shared between generations all sit within the same space. Um, oddly, Previous directors haven't talked about that at all. Mm. So I've been like, what? Because what we do is we we sift through material and then we send out messages. That's yeah. what contemporary art is for. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I'm there, because of the, yeah, the whakapapa, the genealogy of the space. Yeah, as you sort of mentioned in the intro to me, um, I am an artist and I largely work in the space of exhibition making. And a lot of my recent work has been working with collecting institutions to, I think, essentially do change projects and started to realise, like, oh, it's real annoying if you come with ideas and then don't get to implement. Like, So doing a lot of mm. that back-end work that Jason and Eloise mm. were talking about, sort of what is it for an artist, what is it for an artist, how, how, how are we in these spaces... Um, and realised for me I needed to put my money where my mouth was and test out some of my um, thinking and sort of impulses in a longer-term space. So I like to think that I'm practising sort of homeopathy, mm. like as an artist sort of shooting impulses into that broader texture or ecosystem of 
Aotearoa and maybe the region, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Long answer, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's a full answer. It's a great answer. So you started um, the position last year, right? This was what I was understanding? November. Yeah, yeah. So it's really new. So how, how is it? How is the adjustment? Have you been able to already get a sense, maybe it's too soon, of uh, putting your money where your mouth is, so to speak? Or, or maybe that's too soon to ask. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very complicated coming into a a living thing. Yeah. You know, I'm entering, I'm being born backwards or something into an organisation because, you know, it's a a building, an organisation, a space is alive and it's full of its strengths and its ailments. Mm. And when you're in in the space as as a foreign agent, as I, as you are, when you sort of start a job, lots of what I've been doing is that, that sorting room work, you know, as, as in the post office. So what is it? What is it? What are the processes? Um, I also had to do a restructure. I also had to hire a whole new team. I had to do significant improvements on the building. I've had to do a lot of things that I, um, didn't know I would mm. have to do yeah but I feel confident to say that um in this short period of time we've had so much um positive response from our artists that we're working with which for me is everything so we've been very very conscientious about how how we engage, how we communicate, how we support with our artists, this clarity, you know, like that there's a contract, that they're aware of what's expected, that they understand what they'll be paid for and what they won't be paid for, when they'll be paid, um, providing sort of pastoral care around the arrival of the exhibition into the world, so managing blessings and suppers for the artists before the exhibition goes public, so being very careful about that transition space and yeah no I'm really I feel very proud to talk about how um meaningful those tiny little things have been but from the artist's perspective knowing what's important and knowing like what what helps you feel good as an artist and what allows you to also um, be comfortable with your the ambivalence of being a person, you know, a person in the public sphere, um, when to rest, when to be active, when to expect that from an artist. Um, it has been really gratifying. Like these tiny, many tiny little things can make a large difference. And a lot of what we've had to do is um, your reputation management, getting people back into the space, you know, like it is particular because it's not my, it's different than Shimmer yeah. mm-hmm. because it has this huge um, weight around it. And, and we certainly um, wouldn't consider ourselves independent, but we would consider ourselves interdependent. Yeah. Um, and that is what I would encourage all art spaces to understand themselves as of whatever scale, you know, small artists run through to large collecting organisations that 
like any kind of ecosystem, any kind of, like if you use a forest as your analogy, you need all those different textural elements, different scales, different paces, different sort of your yeah, levels of, of presence. So we we talk about ourselves as interdependent. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I've recently heard of um, uh, some curators starting to call themselves interdependent curators. So it's um, uh, really interesting to also hear you're, you're also saying, I would say that that is more like how we were approaching the, the idea of integrated practice, perhaps. Yeah, and I mean, I would also extend that to the artist as well, right? Like, um, Totally. Uh, yeah. I mean, you may be employed or you may not be employed full time or by someone or not by anybody or sort of diaphanously through um, funding from Mondegan or whatever, but we are an interdependent, as you've described, you know, depend, a sort of, yeah, what I wouldn't use the word dependent mm-hmm. just by itself because I think it is important to draw it and that reciprocalness that you described earlier and I guess um, the somatic nature of um, being an arts organisation, that we are alive and moving and responding, you know, that it's a somatic work that we're actually doing. Um, maybe I can ask something. I mean, looking at your, your website and the way that the, the space actually describes itself, um, I was really interested in the, uh, the way you describe yourself, the intergenerational kaupapa. Mm-hmm. If you could maybe yeah. expand a bit on that, this, this, I mean, I guess both the, the use of the sort of Maori language within the way you actually describe the space, but also this idea of thinking in an intergenerational perspective yeah. with your audiences. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, like just back to the first question, which is why 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 return to Aotearoa after being in Berlin? And one of the significant reasons for me is um, because of Te Tiriti o Waitangi, the Treaty of Waitangi, which is our founding document, which means that the organisation of our of this country is predicated on partnership. So it's always about being in relation through time and through space. And for me, that is a backdrop or an integral embedded essence of where we are makes it a really interesting space to work because suddenly everything is a partnership. You know, our relationship with our funder is no longer a power dynamic, it's a partnership. Our relationship with artists, it's a par- it's all about partnership. In the same way as, um, so the intergenerational, co- so kaupapa just means um, like method, like um, approach, where the essence of the, of the way you work is housed, that's a kaupapa. And when we talk about inter- an intergenerational kaupapa, it's just really wanting to inflect that importance of the ecosystem that actually it doesn't make sense to be um, siloing things from from each other. Sometimes there has, there has been pressure on art space Aotearoa to focus really exclusively on emerging new slash like sexy hot practitioners and I'm not interested like I'm interested in that too Mm. 
but I'm interested in the whole. So the saying, using those words is something that comes from me now as as Kaitohu director that I want to um, describe that that's how we work. Sort of background noise from my perspective as well is a really big interest in um, how art history works. So to me, art history largely happens through exhibition making. Like those two things are really, really interconnected. Like through exhibitions, we make much of the material that allows art history to happen. Mm. So um, I'm sort of not interested in like, oh, we're going to fix things or we're going to fill in holes, but it's really about producing those complex conversations through our programme, which to me means it must be intergenerational, it must be focused on emancipation and it must be bringing in Aotearoa with bigger other outside impulses too, you know, not not to silo but to be whole. It's also um, to bring up the idea of intergenerational. I'm also thinking about um, artists that are no longer with us, so artists that have passed away or, you know, the honour that it is to work with the, their uh, their work and how, um, I mean, we, we had that a few times, how, yeah, fragile and sensitive that space is in contemporary conversations and and just thinking about you know you brought up ancestry before and this idea of like collaborating across the spectrum of also those that are not with us and not siloing right that's also this kind of like making of our history is not siloing it as a kind of um as a space of what once was but that we're our interdependency is also based on those that came before us for good and for bad in that sense yeah, no, I mean, also, like, not siloing art, art history, yeah. exhibition-making from the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know, we are in and of the world. It's not that we do things about the world. We're part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, estates as a, as a concept is a personal interest of mine, um, and that is affecting the programming quite <laughs> space we've worked with two estates this year already um and that's a precedent setting opportunity you know it's also really important for younger artists to understand yeah the spiral time I guess you know that we're always talking forward and back at the same time and for me it's really exciting to work with estates who understand that their job is to promote and platform the artist and the spirit of the artist and not to um, harden, protect or narrow because there are estates where it is about hardening, protecting and and narrowing. And we've just completed or just opened a show working with the estate of Rosemary Mayer and that's led by you know, what family members, which is sometimes good, sometimes not good. In this case, it was amazing. And, you know, they're just really, really risky in that space. And it's super exciting. And they're super aware that it's fine to do something, see how it goes. And maybe they'll be like, actually, no, we don't do that anymore. But for now, rather than that sort of paralysis of, 
you know, we, oh, we won't do anything in case it's a bit wrong. Say, no, like, be alive. <laughs> like, celebrate. So, yeah, that's an interest for me. Maybe that's also that space between um, what a partnership is, right? Because I was in a talk recently and somebody brought up the idea about the difference between partnership and allyship. And they were talking about allyship as being conditional, like, you know, the allies when they needed uh, each other, then then they used each other in order to like gain something. But a partnership is way more enmeshed in that sense. It's a, it's a lot deeper beyond a utilitarian kind of need for for you know what one wants over the other party or something um but that idea also that um an artist once they've left you know the physical world um that their work is still in partnership i find i mean i find that really an exciting possibility yeah i mean i think like i never i actually had never haven't thought about the the difference between partnership and and allyship like in the context here I guess allyship would be the word that's used in, for want of a better word, like woke mm -hmm. conversations, but partnership is about how this place is organised. And what's interesting for me with partnership is that it does hold both the transactional and the transformational. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you're always trying to set up process and policy within that transactional zone that enable the transformative, but as we know from, you know, partnerships in the personal space, that's like your, your lover, your child, your teacher, all of those things are always about that, that dance that we wish for the transformational, but there is the transactional, which is what you've described, Eloise, that it's the, that's the admin. Mm, yes. So how to, how to do that how to do the balance you know how to do how to ensure that you're doing enough of both like the policy and the processes have those transactional things have to be set up like we, we, well, we talk about like our goal is to be self-germinating so we're a team of three and a half and if we'd all fall down tomorrow that all of our processes function so well we don't need to be there so that the transformative impulse could continue like that's our dream that it's just this like just self-germinates just the, the stuff happens. Oh, yeah it's uh, something that I think we should th consider for shimmer I think that's all it, I, it is interesting that you um, also mention of course the difference between shimmer and your space that we are the founders and it is a question of like um, how and when we decide to finish with Shimmer, how will it continue? And I, I really like this idea of self-germination. Actually, maybe we're about to go into thinking about our future plans um, uh, and what we want for, yeah. So I feel like we uh, have a good idea. Uh, starting point actually with this idea can we borrow that yeah can we borrow this from you uh or talk i just more? think every everyone like we should all that's what it should all be yeah you know, that's, that's why i'm a huge fan of templates mm. so yeah get a template yeah. no nothing bespoke <laughs> yeah that's very true just like, do it. Ah, like, i like and that then idea making all the things flow so that you can have time to visit the artist, speak yes. with the artist, mm -hmm. be with the work. Definitely. Talk to help, like encourage an audience member to come back, encourage them to feel confident 
and being with the work, you know. So you yeah. need all of those things yeah. to just. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I hadn't thought of the template as being sort of um, a space of um, free freedom, actually. I always I had the idea. Yeah, I really are. Ah, I feel like I've learned uh, two very important things today. <laughs> but the template's nice because you can also transgress it, right? I think that's also exciting. Absolutely. Like anything is only. I mean, we can't own anything and then you always, there's always the exception. Mm-hmm. That's like always yeah. has to be there, but the, that you don't have to think about, it's like how your, you know, your body goes to the toilet. It's just so amazing that we can do that. And I just want to be able to do basic functional stuff yeah. as an organization. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, true. It's just like that metabol, like in terms of that organ, organism. So all the organs and commune with each other. I, th- I think this idea of the template is also interesting in uh, sort of you know learning from one another and seeing what precedents are there and and as we mentioned this interdependence and and seeing yourselves as sort of part of a wider ecosystem and even this conversation sort of to learn from. Um, from each other now. But with with that in mind, this idea of interdependence and sort of learning from these templates of other spaces and institutions, I have a last question. I'm wondering if sort of in a dream world, are there any sort of uh, project spaces anywhere in the world, whether they're active or historic, that any of you would be interested in collaborating with or working with in some way or another, or at least learning from? Do you have any, Ruth, that, that really inspire you or speak to you in a way? Um, I mean, I think when Anthony Huberman was at the Artists Institute in New York, that was really inspiring to me, definitely in terms of how to structure how to structure a program and making us uh, making an architecture for a, a program, which is kind of how I organized my my practice. And then I was really excited by how that thinking happened on an institutional organizational level. Um, and I'm not really sure where that place is at now, but when he was there, that was great. And then Hoya is uh, is an artist-run um, space in Terai Rafiti, which is um, east coast of Aotearoa, um, led by Melanie Tangere Baldwin, and the way that they work with and in community but really from the expertise as artists is really beautiful and very inspiring and the exhibition design and the way they inhabit their space, it's, yeah, it is really exciting because it's super, super loose but full of modi. So modi is like energy. Um, but for me, it's it, it, it's inspiring because, um, I mean, definitely here there's a lot of like, I don't want to say anti-intellectual, but a sort of like, oh, no, yeah, art's not part of the world and art's only useful if it's actually a community centre or art's only useful if it's actually a library. And to me, these things in our in our world, which is like our tool is the imagination, which is always political, which is always about working towards the whole that finding spaces who front and centre that that special expertise but ground it in the place is really rare and Hoya do that in an amazing way without 
turning away from we're artists and we do art shows, you know. Like that's what they do. And a lot of co-learning, which is really awesome. No, great examples. I have my space that I would like to work with historically, which would be art and projects, which is, I think, an extension of uh, thinking about the template now, you know, thinking of the bulletins and the way in which art and project um, set up in Amsterdam in the 60s, yeah. in the 60s 70s and 80s, right? Yeah. But this idea of a template or the idea of the bulletin and, and being able to, to sort of find a way that they worked with the artist that was unique to them but still had a had a had a guide over the entirety of yeah. the project which i find really fascinating and i think still resonates yeah. so much with what what quote-unquote independent spaces are doing now no and to me the template sorry to jump in before you can answer eloise the template is it's a strategy of inclusivity because it um is about providing people with clarity about like what to expect you know, if you understand what to expect, like the big, strong elements, there's a door, there's a window, there's a, like those things um, provide a functional space that you can then have more cognitive capacity, physical capacity to be unsured by what's in the exhibition. Mm. Yeah, nice. Mm. Um, I have, I guess, Two, um, I mean, one is a house, actually. Um, like, Jason and I have always had the idea that we would love to do a show at the Sonnefeld House. Oh, beautiful space. Yeah, so it's not an independent space at all, but uh, to sort of enter into a, a, an interior um, and work with the existing space uh, and the history. Um, so that is a dream that we hope that one day will come about. Um, so, so to curate on a coffee table or something like this. Um, the other one is, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say uh, this one, but because uh, we've already sort of worked with them, but Aqua Ebom in Athens, um, we have only worked with them for a, a small show and we've always wished to work on a longer basis, but they have their in interesting model of working with uh, um, artist estates and actually um, not just working with them, but also um, managing them um, as an artist-run space. So it's also a really uh, interesting um, relationship that they have. They see a need and they take it upon themselves to kind of also they are working very closely with a quite established artist in Athens and trying to bring them out into other parts of the world and also their model is very interesting because they started during Documenta when Documenta was in Athens through the work of Otterbong Nakanga and I think the work's called Carve to Flow and and all the soaps that came from that work would then uh, pay for the the space and I, I don't think that's what the model is now but uh, I believe that Otterbong Nakanga and Maya Taunter together saw that there was also a need for a space uh, and it was also really awesome that an artist is able through their own work to be able to create this space and then they're established for enough to be able to for her to move on and uh, feed other projects with the funding and there's many other reasons uh, they're a very exciting space and no and interesting how that kind of business model and curatorial model sort of have to run in parallel right with the sort of curve to flow project yes. that sort of 
then funds and supports the whole thing. Yeah. Also, what I um, I, I sort of like um, as well is that like Maya, who's the director, when another job comes uh, across her path, she's uh, fine with taking it and then letting Aqua Ebon rest for a while. Mm-hmm. And I've always been worried that if we were to leave Shimmer to rest for a year or whatever, that if we were to come back, we would have lost everything. And what I can see from uh, Aqua Ebon, that is not the case. Mm-hmm. There is still um, an energy there and a need. I, and I think it's really because the community uh, in Athens want the space to be there. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's very brave to be able yeah. to do that. And also I think perhaps she has to. Anyway, that is my that is my space. I just think it's so exciting that the resource, like that artists and curators and directors are creative with the resources, you know, that as a, as a materiality, I find that, you know, always very exciting. So, Yeah. And even the temporality of it, that's the space. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you everyone so much for all your insights. I think we've got a lot of, you know, exciting conversations, this idea of, you know, everything being interdependent, uh, this sort of integrated practices coming together. Um, thank you so much for joining us in your, your evening, Ruth, from Aotearoa. Mm-hmm. Uh, And thanks so much, Shimmer, for having us in your wonderful space. Oh, of course. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. No, thanks so much, Ruth. We're done. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode. You can listen to and read more of our original editorial content online at othernetwork.io. Other Network is a project initiated by Cookies together with IFA, Institute for Ausland Betsihungen. This series is generously supported by Between Bridges Foundation. It is produced and hosted by Federico Martelli and Colin Keys, with sound design, editing, and production by Jack Bardwell. Original music is by Jack Bardwell. Other Network's research team includes Abraham Tete in Accra, Samantha Mudisinjane in Johannesburg, Camilo Quiroga in Bogotá, Camila Alegría in Santiago de Chile, and Mateus Dos Reis in Sao Paulo.